exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Harinkiu, and I'll be your host as usual for the next hour. And as always, my lovely co-host Megan sitting to my left. How you doing, Megan? Oh, I'm doing good, you know, kind of getting over a little sickness here. Yeah, a little bit. That's yeah. why you got the hot chocolate, right? Yeah, the hot chocolate. That's burning your tongue off. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we have a lot to get to uh, today on the show. We're going to talk some MSU Spartans, of course, get to the Detroit Lions, talk a little bit about the Pistons, the Red Wings. We just have everything for you, so uh, definitely stay tuned. Uh, always remember our phone lines are 517-432-3893. If you have an opinion, a comment, a question on anything we're talking about, please call in. I love listening to myself talk, but I have no problem listening to what other people have to say. But let's get uh, let's get to the game that took place this weekend here in East Lansing. The Spartans faced the Purdue Boilermakers at Spartan Stadium at noon this Saturday. And they won. It was. Uh, it wasn't the game I think many expected. I think it was. A, it was a very. It was a much closer game than anyone ever would have asked for. Anyone ever would have wanted. But the Spartans did win. They won thirty-five to thirty-one with a heroic fourth quarter. Twenty-two points scored in the fourth. Uh, this game was twenty-eight thirteen going into the fourth. And I will have. I will say this: that uh, watching this whole game, I was nervous. I was on edge. But at the same time, I always had this gut feeling that the Spartans were going to come back and win this game. I don't know why, but I just had a feeling. Their defense was starting to play pretty darn well after they got into the second half. And they showed me something. They showed me that they can find ways to win. They've done this before, and they did it again. And that's what I'm most impressed with. This wasn't a great victory. This wasn't some amazing win. Um, I personally thought we were going to stomp out Purdue. I know we talked about it last week, Megan. Uh, you know, the spread for this game was like 19 and a half points. And honestly, I thought, you know, State usually doesn't, they're not one to cover the spread. But, you know, with the bye week, with just being able to rest up, get healthy, really, you know, prepare for Purdue, I really thought they were going to come out and just knock Purdue around. This game's at home. It's senior day. You know, last home game of the season. Uh, it was the exact opposite, though. Uh, the, basically, the first quarter uh, gave up that huge 80-yard run to Keith Carlos. Uh, the pick six uh, was really tough, uh, just only a minute and a half after that 80-yard TD run. So, you know, the game didn't end up exactly, it didn't play out exactly as I thought it would, but we won. And I think the most important thing for me to take away from this game is that good teams find ways to win games when they're just not playing their best football. We did it against Northwestern. We, you know, we've done it. We did it against Notre Dame. And we played a second half against Illinois, which was pretty darn good. Good teams find ways to win. Bad teams find ways to lose. The same old Spartans, the Spartans of the John L. Smith era, the Spartans of 2004, 5, 6, they would have lost this game. You know, they would have lost the game that really no one even looked at. No one thought it was going to be important. You know, you're always looking towards next week. You know, you're thinking, all right, you know, got that big game coming up next week. And the Spartans just blow the game before that game to make the next game meaningless. But now, Megan, I know you were at the game, Mm -hmm. as always. As always. As always. (laughs) Now, at the game, what did you like? What didn't you like? Uh, What did you see? I was nervous, so nervous. When we got down... What fourteen to seven in the first quarter? Yes, I think fourteen it was. to seven. 
And I actually went down to go to the bathroom. I was like, yeah, that's all right. I could take a little break, you know, come back up 14 to 7. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what was going on. It's just their defense wasn't there uh-huh. for the first half. That's the one thing that really bothered me. We were giving up passes. We were, we were giving up passes. We were trailing the player instead of being anticipating it. We mm-hmm. had our heads turned. Yeah. And multiple times they caught the ball over our heads. And that just that bothered me. I just was sitting there screaming, you know, thinking they can hear me. What are you doing? Like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they definitely, I don't know what was said to them during halftime. They definitely came back, though, with that uh, second half. And that's what I was sitting there, and I was like, they're not going to win. But at the same time, I was thinking, I was like, Northwestern, Northwestern, Northwestern. And yep. I was like, they've done it before. They can do it again. They just need to turn everything around that they did wrong. And I'm looking at stats right now, and their passing definitely outshined their rushing. Oh, um, yes. Yet again. 286 to 95, 95 rushing yards, 286 passing yards, and thank God something pulled through because <laughs> if we didn't have either of those at that game, we would have, I just, I don't, it shouldn't even been as close as it was. But no. I'm glad we won. Yes. I mean, I, you know, the game shouldn't have been as close. Uh, I do have a feeling that, you know, the Spartans might have been looking past Purdue. You know, Purdue has been playing very, not incredibly poorly, but they've been playing pretty poorly this season. And I have a feeling the Spartans might have looked past them looking at the Penn State game mm-hmm. uh, next week, which is, you know, the big game on the road. And at the same time, even though a bye week can get you healthy, it can get you, you know, to rest up, it can get you flat-footed. Right. It can kind of maybe just, you know, tire you out. Maybe, you know, you just, you know, when you're just going week after week after week, focused and focused, and then you're sitting on your couch on the weekend and you're relaxing, you know, the week before that, maybe you're not, your head's not in the game completely, mm-hmm. especially playing a team like Purdue. I mean, like I said, going into this game, I did not believe Purdue had much of a shot at all, and they proved they had a pretty darn good shot. Um, if it wasn't for, honestly, I mean, I know Kirk Cousins threw that pick six, and he got knocked around. He got his ankle hurt a little bit. But this kid, he you know he he toughed through it, and he played a phenomenal second half of football. And I just want to give Kirk Cousins all the credit because not all the credit, but I'm just saying I like his toughness because he was having problems. He was saying planting his back foot and throwing the ball because his ankle was hurting him to a degree. But he took care of business in that second half. Not to mention Mark Dell really stepping up and showing us, you know, who he is finally. I know he's had some games like this this season, but he made some phenomenal catches, great passes by Cousins. Uh, you know, we have a, you know, Dell had 108 reception yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he played a very good game. And Cousins with his three TDs, I know he had that one pick. You know, it's a rough one. It's, it's a rough pick six, but they happened. He didn't let it rattle him. And he came back out there, and they took care of business. The one thing that bugged me about this game probably was the officiating. Uh-huh. Uh, I I'm not going to blame a lot of what happened, and yeah. uh, I mean a lot of what went wrong was our fault. Yes, um, but it just bugged me. We had so many bad calls. I had, there was I don't know if you watched. Uh, you saw the touchdown pass that um, he went down with the ball and everything, and they called it. Imp- they ruled it incomplete. Yeah, I mean I saw that play, and uh, that's a tough one right there. Yeah. Honestly, watching it after seeing the replay. I do think it was an incomplete pass just because it does pop out at the very end there. It's such it a tough incomplete. it's such a tough call. I think it was incomplete. I could see it going either way. Um, bottom line is you can't let those kind of things really get you down. Uh, you know, we'll get more into the referees when we get talk about the Lions coming up here. But in most cases, refs don't 
win or lose games for teams. No. The teams are the ones that win or lose them. Now, don't get me wrong. There are plays, if you want to, you know, we'll jump to the NFL real fast. The Calvin Johnson touchdown in week right. one. That is a kind of play where, yes, a referee can completely change the outcome of the game. You know, Galarraga's perfect game. There are moments where refs do have that kind of, you know, they do make those kinds of just grandeur mistakes where it's like, wow, okay, well, that really did screw us over. But if we're talking about, you know, a penalty in the third quarter, just, you know, some miscall... I don't believe that really screws the game up for a team. If you're a good enough team, you should be able to overcome that because you know it's going to go both ways. You're going to have calls go with you. You're going to have calls go against you. It's sports. These refs are fallible. They're not perfect. You know they're going to make mistakes, and it's understandable. What I want to see the Spartans take care of: a their rushing defense and their rushing offense because they gave up almost 200 yards to Purdue on the ground, 189 rushing yards for Purdue. That's not going to get it done against Penn State next week. If you're going to be, you know, to play Penn State, I know we've said this before, especially when we were talking about the, you know, games like Northwestern and Illinois, you cannot come out and only think you need to play one half of football to get a win. Penn State is a pretty darn good team. They're seven and four. They're not that bad at all. They, you know, they, they really kept it close with Ohio State two weeks ago. They were actually up 14-3 to three going into the half. And I know Ohio State pulled away, but Ohio State is a good team. They're, they're maybe a great team. Okay, Penn State's not that bad. They just beat up Northwestern at Wrigley, which was a really wacky game with only one end zone. I don't know why they didn't foresee these problems mm. of Wrigley, that, that wall being a little too close to the end zone. But Penn State's a pretty darn good team. Uh, you know, they're not a joke. And I think something that, you know, all Spartan fans need to realize, ones that are maybe old enough realize this, but we are 0-8 against Penn State. Since they've joined the Big Ten, we have not beaten Penn State at Happy Valley. Now, don't get me wrong. I know we beat them at home. We have not beat them on the road ever since they've joined the Big Ten. Not once. They need to come into this game and just play their hearts out. Now, as of right now, Michigan State sits at number 10 in the BCS Mm -hmm. standings. Wisconsin's fifth in the BCS standings. And I believe Ohio State is eighth. Yes. So, as of right now, I want to give a hypothetical to all of our listeners out there who might not understand the BCS system, not understand who goes to the Rose Bowl, who could win the Big Ten title. What happens here is that if all three teams, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Michigan State, they all win next week, then the team with the highest ranking in the BCS standings will go to the Rose Bowl. So that would be Wisconsin. Now, if somehow Michigan and Rich Rod pull some Mad Hatter out of their head and beat Ohio State at, at the shoe this next weekend, then we will go to the Rose Bowl. But we are dependent on Ohio State beating Michigan for us to go to the Rose Bowl. There's no other way around it. There's no other way. Now, Iowa gave them a... I don't know if you saw this Iowa-Ohio State game. I did. It was. I mean, I watched. I watched the whole thing. It was a. It was a great game. I really enjoyed the whole game. Uh, unfortunately, they could not close them out. They couldn't get it done. Uh, you know that fourth and ten play when you had Terrell Pryor just scamper for a first down. That was your game there. If you if they stuffed them there in fourth and ten, Iowa wins, and that could have been one of the best weekends, honestly, in Michigan State history. Because then they just got to take care of business at Penn State. I think the bottom line is for this season for all of our fans out there and any everyone is that. The Spartans can only control, they can only win their games. We can't get all beaten up and broken up if we don't go to the Rose Bowl. If they win next week and this team goes 11-1, and that's a fantastic season. That is a great season. That is more than any of us thought this team was going to do before they started playing this year. I know we talked about it last week. We saw this team going 8-4. and We saw this team going 9-3. and To go 11-1 and and to possibly to get, maybe possibly go to a BCS Bowl game, or even at worst, go to a New Year's Day bowl game and go to the Capital One bowl game out there in Florida. 
That's a great season. That's nothing to sneeze at. You're end up probably going to end up playing Alabama if you go to the New Year's Day bowl game, and it's going to be a good game. Like I said, I mean, basically, here's a little quote from D'Antonio. He says, quote, our goal is to win a Big Ten championship. We're, we are in control of doing that. We can be co-Big Ten champions. We can be outright champs if somebody else does some other things. That is our first goal. Then we'll try to build from that. That will put us in a great bowl game someplace, and we'll play a great opponent. It will be exciting for the Spartans all over, end quote. And that's exactly it. The Spartans right now, regardless of going to the Rose Bowl, regardless of what bowl game they end up in, they have a chance to win the Big Ten title. Yes, now they will share it, most likely, with whether it may be Wisconsin, it might be Ohio State, or it might be, all, all, you know, might be both of them. Nonetheless, this is going to be two out of the last three years that on the final game of the season, Michigan State is playing for a chance to win a Big Ten title. And as a Spartan fan for a long time, that is fantastic. That is amazing. Now, right now, I just want to give a shout-out to our listeners. Give me a call at 517-432-3893. Let me know if you still think this season, if you like the way this season's gone. If, let's say, they lose next week, what are your sentiments? Or if they win next week and don't get to the Rose Bowl. Because, honestly, Ohio State is most likely going to beat Michigan. Somehow, Michigan might win. I mean, (laughs) do you think they even have a chance, Megan? Uh, You never know. I mean, football games are crazy. I agree. They are crazy. games can go either way, so it could be... I know Michigan might actually pull something, and yeah, you never know. Michigan's one of those teams that can maybe pull through, just like you know we've had some of those crazy games earlier too in the season. Yeah, I mean it's true. I mean you never know. Ohio State is a it's a very good team, but they haven't looked as dominant as uh, you know other Ohio State teams over the years. Uh, they have looked very fallible at times. You know their defense isn't as good as it has been, and their offense still honestly, their offense isn't fantastic. So Michigan, do I give them a chance? Yeah, probably about ten percent. <laughs> The problem is it's at Ohio State. If this game was at Michigan, I would give Michigan more of a chance. Now, the thing here, Michigan wants to win this game. I know I've had some people tell me, well, what if Michigan just doesn't play good because they don't want want Michigan State to go to the Rose Bowl? Well, that's a joke, okay? Michigan's playing for pride. They're playing Ohio State. They have not beaten Ohio State since 2003. I mean, it's a huge rivalry. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I was talking with my dad about this earlier. MSU's rivalry is Michigan. Michigan's rivalry is Ohio State. This is the game all Michigan and Buckeye fans circle on their calendars. Okay, that's the bigger game to them. They want to win this game. Rich Rod is honestly fighting for his job. He wins this game, he'll be sticking around in Michigan for a while. Mm-hmm. He will. He loses this game, he gets blown out on Saturday. I hope he packs his bags and gets the heck out of here. <laughs> Again, I can't stand Rich Rodriguez. I think he's a joke. I don't think he takes any. He doesn't take any. He doesn't make. He always makes excuses for his losses doesn't take any of the blame it upsets me um you know for all of you michigan fans out there i have no problem with your program i have a problem with your coach and yeah i just would like your coach to get out of town to actually get your program to what it used to be but the bottom line is michigan's gonna be playing their hearts out this saturday against ohio state they want to win this game they have not won it in a long time they will be playing as hard as they possibly can especially after getting embarrassed by wisconsin on saturday they were down 24 to nothing at the half they got beat 48-28. They gave up over 400 rushing yards. It's a joke. It's a mockery out there in Ann Arbor. But, hey, go blue because I'm rooting for blue all the, all the, way, all the way this weekend. I was going to ask you were going to be a Michigan fan this weekend. Last weekend, you were an Iowa fan. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you know, I hate one team one weekend. I love them the next. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, it, it, listen, if it's going to benefit my team, if it's going to benefit the Spartans, then I'll be rooting for that. And I think any Spartan fan out there that can't root for Michigan this weekend isn't a true Spartan fan because if the Spartans – you know, if Michigan wins that game, that only helps the Spartans, okay? 
So honestly, any Michigan State fan that can't root for Michigan, well, you know what? I think you're screwed up because it's going to help your team. I get it. I never root for Michigan, but in the right circumstances, I'm going to root for I'm going to wear my blue. I'm going to be rooting for them. Why not? We need them. I mean, to go to the Rose Bowl, we need Ohio State to lose. It's cut and dry. Simple as that. So let's see. I mean, let's see. And another bottom line is, I mean, for all you people out there thinking about the bowl games, now let's say Wisconsin goes down and Ohio State, they win their game. Miss Michigan State still has a chance at getting a BCS bid, a Fiesta Bowl, the Orange Bowl. They still have a chance for you know a BCS bowl game. So the only way that we end up in the Capital One Bowl is if Wisconsin and Ohio State both win this weekend. But we still need to win as well. If we lose to Penn State, team goes to 10-2, then we're probably going to end up in the Outback Bowl. So, I mean, it's also in Florida. So, I mean, you know, Tampa, Orlando, kind of close. But, no, I mean, you definitely want to end up in the Capital One Bowl regardless. Uh, You know, just beat Penn State. Like I said, this team has not beat them since they've joined the Big Ten against Penn State. They've not beat this team on the road 0-8 against them. Not to mention, we have not won the Big Ten title since 1990. It's been 20 years. It's been a long time. It okay. was, this team's full of surprises this year. So they are. They, every week, they you know I think they're going to stomp someone out. It's a close game, and then <laughs> they just blow. You know they beat a team like Wisconsin by ten. You know <laughs> the only loss of the season, and they just you know and that's a, that's the flaw with the system of the BCS. In my print, in my opinion, is that you beat a team like Wisconsin that is now ranked fifth in the nation. You handed them their only loss. The problem is you beat them in week four. Mm-hmm. You beat them, yeah, week four, week five. Early win. You know, when you win that early, it just it doesn't mean as much. When you beat a team like that, it just doesn't mean as much. Just as if you lose late, okay? Just as if, you know, if, you know Michigan State's lost to Iowa. That's why it knocked them back so far, because right. it's so late in the year. You don't have time to make that ground up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a flaw in the system, like I said. I've always been a proponent of the playoff system. I, can't, I hope one day they go to a playoff system for college football, 16-team playoff system. I think that would be fantastic. And you know what? At least next year, with all these arguments, well, you don't play Ohio State. Your schedule's not tough enough. Blah, blah. Well, you know what? Next year, we'll have Nebraska in our conference. We'll have a championship game. So all these people complaining about strength of schedule, and you don't play this team, and we play that team, well, that'll be put to bed. Because I get tired of people complaining about that. Michigan fans always complaining, well, you don't play Ohio State. Well, guess what? You know what? So what? A lot of other teams haven't played Ohio State in years. It's not our fault that's the way the schedule goes. I mean, that's not our fault at all. That's the way it gets scheduled. You don't play every team every year. That's just not the way it's set up. Not until you know, not until next year, and even still next year, you're not going to play every team every year. Deal with it. It's the schedule. It's not Michigan State's fault that they just, you know, they played their schedule. They're 10-1. I don't care how they did it. I don't care how close the games were. They won them. Wins and losses. We talk about that. That's all that matters. Wins and losses. I don't care how you get it done. You get it done. And more importantly, you get it done when you're not playing your best football. When you're not playing. They did not play good football really at all on Saturday. Till the fourth quarter, really, they weren't playing that good. But they got it done. They took care of that fourth quarter, and they won a game they needed to win. Because they lose that game, I'm talking a different tune today on the radio. <laughs> I'd have an aneurysm, okay? <laughs> they just can't play like they did on the first in the first three quarters no. uh, against uh, Purdue, against Penn State. Because if they do that, it's going to be another Iowa game. Oh, definitely. So, But the only thing I'm upset about is if... I don't know if Wisconsin makes it to the Rose Bowl and we beat them. It's uh-huh. a great season. I'm not, I'm not going to yeah. lie. It's a great season. But at the same time, it's like, if, really? I know what you mean. We beat them and they're going to a better game than we are. Yeah. Like, And it's really only because, you know, they beat Ohio State and they beat Iowa. 
And those are your two reasons. And they beat Ohio State when Ohio State was ranked number one in the country. Right. And uh, you got to you got to remember that this this Ohio State team was number one at a time. And when you beat the number one team and you beat Iowa, which I believe at the time these teams were ranked 13th and 15th, those are just two big wins. So they really are. And I actually, I personally probably actually rather see Wisconsin. I don't like Ohio State at all. I don't like Wisconsin much either. Don't get me wrong. I'm not some closet Badger fan, but uh, I think I prefer uh, Wisconsin because, you know, Ohio State's always there. Ohio State's always in the Rose Bowl. They're always in one of those games. You know, I'm tired of seeing Wisconsin. I mean, uh, Ohio State, excuse me. I'd rather see Wisconsin finally get their chance to get out there and play. Uh, Obviously, I want State there, you know, before Wisconsin, but, you know, we can't control how these other teams are going to do. I'm just impressed with us, with staying within, I mean, we started off what? We weren't even ranked, nope. I don't think, and then all of a sudden we were 25th, we're down to like 18, 15, just slowly going up, down to 5, I mean, but we've stayed within like 12 and below these yeah. past like 6 weeks. No, they've done and a fantastic job. It's nope. great. It's just awesome, because it's not something you see very often with a Michigan State football team. No. I mean, I think we're all very accustomed to just, you know, the John L. goofy grandpa days of John L. Smith. <laughs> John L. Smith always irritated me to no end. This guy was terrible for the program. And that's why I think D'Antonio, is, he's so good for this program, because he's really building something here. And, you know, the, I know last year, I know it was kind of rough last year. This team was, uh, what, 6-6? Six and six? Then they end up going. They, they lost their bowl game against Texas Tech because yep. they had like probably five guys on the field because everyone else was involved in the rather Hall incident. <laughs> yep. But um, you know, even the year before that, they went nine and three. They went to the Capital One Bowl on New Year's Day and played Georgia. This is when Georgia had Matt Stafford, and it, it was a close game. It was an it was an annoying game. Nonetheless, is that the this, the atmosphere is changing around East Lansing right now. Spartan football is it's it's coming back. It's I mean I wouldn't even say exactly coming back. It's actually just coming into its own more finally. But it looks like we have a caller, so do you think I should take the call? I think you should. You think so? I, I think it's time for someone else to talk. All right, well, <laughs> I'm going to shut up, and we're going to hear what someone else has to say. Hey, Michael, you're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Oh, hey, Dave, how you doing? Good, how you doing, Mike? Good, good. Well, you know, I was listening to the show, and, you know, everything's great as usual. Uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, you had a question earlier this season was disappointing in any way. Yes. You know, if they miss the Rose Bowl opportunity, information like that. Yeah. But I just think that, you know, the way the season was projected, like you guys mentioned earlier, this is a huge accomplishment. It's a huge breakthrough. Definitely. I completely agree. Now, let's say let's say they lose to Penn State, Mike, and they drop down and they go to, like, the Outback Bowl or something. Is that going to is that gonna disappoint you for, the, you know, how that season ends here rather than how it started? Because it started so magically. I mean, you know, 8 no. It just started so great. If they lose to Penn State, what are your sentiments going to be at the end of the week? I will have a little disappointment. Obviously, I will. But a ten and two, a, yeah, a ten and two season. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. Yes, it is for this for this program. And you also, it's, like I said, you know, it's the next year. It sets the pace for next year. The recruiting may improve. Blah, 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 getting more attention. You know. If they could win the Big Ten in football and basketball, that would be really incredible. It would be. I mean, that's the thing. We haven't had this kind of football team, you know, consistently for a long time. And I think, you know, this team needs to get that kind of respect nationally. And the only way you do that is that you do this year in, year out. You're consistent with it. And, you know, you don't next year. My big thing for D'Antoni on this football team, you better not go 7-5. and five. You know, you, you, you know what I mean? This can't be a flukish kind of year. You need to be consistent to gain that kind of respect nationally. I think that's why we are ranked a little bit lower in the BCS and the AP poll, just kind of because we haven't been there before. 
You know, people hear Michigan State football and they don't think about us being some powerhouse. They think of basketball. Yeah, they think of basketball and they think of, yeah, I mean, honestly, just, you know, the little brother of Michigan for a long time. But like I said, I think that's changed. And uh, hopefully... Yeah, and hopefully, basically, they can just uh, keep that up next year. But, uh, Mike, I really appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks. Bye. But, yeah, I mean, and even if they do lose next week to Penn State, which I will be upset by that. It will be an unfortunate loss. Don't get me wrong. But 10-2, that's still a great season. Yeah, especially since it's the last game of the season. You know, we all want it. We want to end on a good note. Yeah. Especially with a season like this. And I think that would be the only thing. I think like something like that will leave a sour taste in your mouth. Even with a 10-2 wreck, you think, ah, we lost, we lost to Penn State again. Yeah. These guys. Well, we lost our, our we, we lost, I'm sorry, we won our last home game. So, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I mean, trust me, I would have been much more perturbed if they would have lost to Purdue and beat Penn State. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I would have been living. <laughs> I, that would, I don't even know. I wouldn't know not to think about our team. It's no. an, an off week, I guess. I, like you said, the whole like week off. It, it, it helps, but it hurts. It does. It can go either way. Sometimes, you know, it's the same thing, you know, when you see teams going into the playoffs. Basically, the team that sometimes has that week off does worse than the team that has three days off. Because sometimes when you just sit and you get stagnant and you're not doing anything, it can hurt you. But real fast, uh, I want to give a shout-out to Danico Allen, uh, MSU punt blocker. He's actually the co-special teams player of the week. He is the one who blocked the punt in helping MSU rally from a 15-point fourth-quarter deficit to beat Purdue on Saturday. Um, and it was a huge block. I, obviously, I can. I mean, that I was really was the play of the game, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, it was a fantastic block. They got right on it. Just, I mean, I was going crazy. I, thought, I mean, I haven't seen them block a punt and do that in a while. That was sweet. He was, like, right on the one-yard line, and... I don't even know. Just everyone was just jumping on top of each other. All the students section. We were all so excited. <laughs> Every, so many people had already left. Really? Really. Just It was so empty. And it was well, so sad. upsetting. I, we had so many big gaps just around us during the game. And I was like, where did everyone go? I mean, it's not over yet. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, and that's the thing. The Spartans always kept the game close enough. 28 to 13. It was always a two possession game. They never let Purdue get to that, you know, score another touchdown, another field goal to make this a three possession game. Like they, Iowa? Yeah. Like Iowa. They, they kept this game in reach. And that was the point of it. You keep a game in reach and you can make a comeback. And that's what they did. They played a good game. And I will say this, Kirk Cousins, be careful next time you dive in that end zone when you try to rush the ball in because that to me if you know Purdue falls on that ball in the end zone we would have lost that game without a doubt there was about four minutes left I don't think I really believe Michigan State would have lost that game if we lost that football in the end zone I think Mm -hmm. it would just been that demoralizing and it would hurt that bad that I don't think they had enough time to come back from that that was a great play though it was was wide open if he wouldn't have ran oh no I was run uh, run sitting there like go you have legs move Run! It's you don't like have to throw it every time. It's like five yards, buddy. Run it. <laughs> Just run it. You know, pull a John Elway, dive in there. No, don't do that. But protect the ball next time, Cousins. But still, Cousins, he played a fantastic game. Yep. Um, seriously, uh, Greg Jones, he really stepped up there towards the end of the game, made some big plays. Again, not always the plays that show up in the box score. Not always, but Greg Jones gets it done week in and week out. This guy is the heart and soul of our defense, and I just I love what he does every week. And, you know, right now, Michigan State, they have 16 interceptions, which is 10 more than they had last year. So they are getting it done decently in the secondary. They need to work on giving up these big plays. I mean, we've seen some of these big passes. And, you know, maybe you saw Purdue just all the way back in, there, you know, in the end zone, and they hit them for like a 50-some-yard pass all the way out to the 40. That is frustrating. They need to work on not giving up the big plays. But this is the most interceptions this team has had since 2004. So they are getting it done. They only had six picks last year. 
So to see them improve in that stat, I really enjoy that. Because takeaways, that's what gives your teams ample opportunity to come back. When you're not playing your best football, forcing the fumbles, you're getting the picks, you're doing the, you're doing the little things that are going to give your offense that chance. Good defense always gives an offense a chance to win, and that's what happened. But we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, we're going to be talking some Detroit Lions. We're also going to talk about the Thanksgiving Day game. Do the Detroit Lions deserve to play on Thanksgiving? I want our listeners to think about that and call in with your thoughts. This is Spartan Sports Wrap. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to the Sparring Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Dave and Megan here with you for the next half hour of the show. Now let's get to a football team that I can only say bad things about, it seems <laughs> like, every week. Uh, the Detroit Lions, they played this weekend at uh, Dallas Stadium. They played the Dallas Cowboys, and they lost again. Uh, they lost 35-19. Now this game was one of the more frustrating games of the year. Um, I know I only watched about half this game. Uh, once I got, once this, well, I guess I watched the first three quarters. Once this game got into the fourth, I kind of got upset and I turned it off. It's sorry, it was just, it was just starting to irritate me. I mean, it's basically all I can say. Uh, you know, the Detroit Lions, as usual, bottom, they find ways to lose, and that's that's the problem with this team. This game was twelve to seven in the third quarter, with about ten minutes left, eleven minutes left, and what do they do? They allow a ninety-seven yard punt return by Brian McCann. You see the Detroit Lion player tap the ball. It takes a perfect bounce into McCann's hands, and he tight ropes the sideline for 97 yards. <laughs> now, my problem with this is Jim Schwartz, A, why aren't you challenging the play? I, me watching this play, even if he might not, even if the refs didn't say he stepped out of bounds, he is so close to that sideline. Who says his heel didn't step out of bounds? Who's, who knows? I can't tell. I'm watching this play. I'm thinking, how could he not have stepped out of bounds? Okay, And at that point, that's a game changer. That's a momentum swinger. And that's exactly what happened. That put Dallas up 14-12. to And then obviously, a couple minutes after that, Jerome Felton fumbles the ball, gives Dallas again good field position. And before you know it, within three minutes, they've scored 14 points. And now this game's 21-12. to And now it's getting out of hand. And now you can tell the Lions look like they just got kicked in the junk and they don't even know what to do. And it just it's quite frustrating because this team gives itself chances to win and then takes them away. They were 10 for 18 on third downs. They did a good job on third downs. Okay? 
They, I mean, Sean Hill, honestly, I mean, I know Matt Stafford, for all you fans, I know he would be better out there, but Sean Hill for a backup is not that bad at all. I mean, to have a second string guy really do what he's been doing, I'm actually more impressed. I'm impressed with that. He went 32 for 47 throwing, had almost 300 yards passing, two touchdowns and a pick. It's not a fantastic game. It's not a bad game, though. He's our second string quarterback. He came, but he got rushed back after him. His left forearm fractured a few weeks ago. Got to give the guy a break. It's not just him. It's his whole team. It's the coaching. It's decision making. Not picking the right times to challenge. Not taking timeouts at the right time. We have absolutely no rushing game. We've rushed for barely over 150 yards combined in our last two games. We only put up 75 rushing yards this last week. We cannot, I mean, Javid Best cannot run the ball for the life of him. Maurice Morris just doesn't get any reps, doesn't get any chances, and I don't even think he's that good. We make John Kitna look like Tom Brady out there. John Kitna goes 18 for 24, 147 yards, three touchdowns. <laughs> it's John Kitna, ladies and gentlemen. We had this guy at one time, and you're telling me we make him look phenomenal. We make him look great. Okay, we. I know we turned the ball over twice. They only turned the ball over once. But the point of this is, is that the Lions... Just don't know how to win. They don't win. When anything goes wrong for this team, it's almost they put their tail between their legs and they act like some JV squad out there and they just don't know what to do anymore. It's like you play a good first half, you play a good first few minutes of the third quarter. I mean, you get bailed out with a penalty on Dallas in the end zone, so you get a nice safety, an extra little two points for you. <laughs> I just don't know. Megan. How much of this game did you watch? I know you were telling me you watched like a quarter of it, some of it. No, I don't even think a quarter of it. Okay. <laughs> um, it was the first quarter is what I caught. And they looked, so you saw the good stuff. Yeah, they looked fine. They looked normal. Not, well, not normal, but they looked, they looked like they could do something today. And I mean, I know Dallas isn't exactly the greatest team out there. They might be a little underrated. That's what I've heard. Yeah. They're a little bit underrated, but at the same time, this is another, another winnable game. And we blew it. With dumb mistakes. That was definitely a winnable game. Uh, again, uh, I, I feel like a broken record. I mean, penalties. Yet Week after week, I complain about it, and nothing gets changed. Trust me, I know the Detroit Lions are tuned in the Spartan Sports Rap right now. Yeah. But uh, trust me, everybody else in sports radio is saying the same thing. These penalties are atrocious week after week. Ten penalties, 76 yards, bad penalties. Okay, and I know some people want to sit here and complain about that horse collar penalty that was called on Detroit. And I, I know it wasn't a horse collar. I know he pulled the guy's hair, which is technically legal. I understand that. It gave Dallas a whole new set of downs. It gave him a good chance to score another touchdown. I get it. But as we said with the Spartans and we've you know, been saying, refs don't win or lose games with calls like that. That's a tough call to make. Pulling the guy's hair in a horse collar, it looks almost exactly the same. It looks almost exactly the same. And if, if you fans out there are going to sit here and complain about a horse collar call as to why you lost the game, get out of here. Because that's ridiculous, okay? The Lions lost this game way before that horse collar penalty. Way before that, okay? That penalty was not the reason this team lost the game. The reason this team lost the game is because they're just not good. They're 2-8 and eight now. 2-8. and eight. I'm getting real close to my prediction being right. <laughs> real close. 4-12. Remember, remember those people calling in? We're going like 8-8. Eight 8-8. And... Eight and eight. <laughs> 7 and 9 Drinking gallons of the Kool-Aid preseason of these Lions, you know? And it's just, I'm sorry, like I said, they just don't have the pieces. They have some of the pieces, okay? They have talent on this team. I'm not saying this team isn't doesn't have talent, because they do. Calvin Johnson has, you know, he's, he's great, okay? Stafford, when he's healthy, plays good football. Javid Best, when he doesn't have his turf toe, is a pretty decent running back. 
Brandon, Brandon Pettigrew at, at our tight end. Nate Burleson. This team definitely has talent. Vanden Bosch, Sue. I mean, you can mention a lot of names of just talent. The problem is they can't put it together for a whole game. And I know this team's been dealing with injuries. I know not having Stafford for more than basically a game and a quarter, game and a half, that hurts you. It's rough. But at the same time, that's not a big enough excuse for me. There were a number of games this season that were winnable games that the Lions lost. Look at the Jets game. Look at Green Bay. I know they kind of got screwed out in Chicago. But you know what? You screw yourselves when you put yourself in that position to have to throw a last-second pass in the end zone to win a game. Never should have gotten that close. That's the point of this. This team should have four to five wins right now, but they don't. They're 2-8, and eight, and they're basically right back to where they are every year. Now, Jim Schwartz, we've talked about it before. I give him one more year. He has one more year in my book before it's time for him to get out of town because if he doesn't get fired after next season, I don't, I, I, trust me, I'm just speculating. I don't know how next season's going to go. They'll probably win somewhere around six, seven games next season. Maybe, you know. So I'm guessing somewhere probably right around there. I still think, unless this team gets to about 8-8, eight and eight, I think it's time for Jim Schwartz to get out of town. Okay, no other, no other football town will put up with this kind of futility. I know we took over an 0-16 football team. That's no easy task. Okay, you went 2-14 last year. All right. You're off the hook for that. This year, all right, Matt Stafford's injured most of the season. I'll give you a little bit of a break on that. But you know what? They better win some games the rest of the season. They better not just win like one more game and just cash out the rest of them. I know they have some tough games. They're at Tampa Bay. They're at Miami. We have the uh, New England Patriots. <laughs> This Thursday for Thanksgiving for all you turkey fans and football fans. Let's get to that. We're running out. I want to talk about this. This is this is what I really want to talk about when we're talking about the Lions today. Enough about that game. They lost. Okay. Well, yeah, they lost. We all know that. Okay. Thanksgiving Day. Now, right now, all of our listeners, give me a call. Let me know what you think about the Lions keeping the Thanksgiving Day game. Do you think they should? Or do you think it should just go to some other team? 517-432-3893. Now, for all of you that don't really know exactly the history behind this Thanksgiving Day game, this, this game started for the Lions in 1934. It was the first time they played this game. This is the first year they actually were a franchise. Okay, This Thanksgiving Day tradition is 76 years old. It's a long time. It's a real long time. This tradition is older than 24 of the current NFL franchises. Okay, Now, for all of you that might not remember, because I know it's been a while, like when was the last time the Detroit Lions won on Thanksgiving Day? I can tell you that. Okay. <laughs> I know. You do have a little story. I yeah, do. Um, I don't know how I remember this. I was 13 years old, so for all you out there, it was 2003 <laughs> against the Green Bay Packers. Yes. Uh, they won 22-14, to 14, and I remember this because I lived overseas. Okay. So, you know, it was kind of, I guess, a big event in my life. I got to watch the Lions overseas. Woohoo! Yeah, definitely. You know, like, <laughs> they're yeah. that good. Yay! So, yeah, that's the last time they won. And I mean, for, for everyone who doesn't, who's been like under a rock for the past, I don't know, seven years it is, 2010. So, seven years ago. Seven years ago, <laughs> uh, yes, the Detroit Lions won their Thanksgiving Day game. Now, like I said, this game goes way back. This game goes all the way back to 1934, and the only time this game really wasn't being played was during World War II. They did not play this game from 1939 to 1944. Okay, that was really the only break in this tradition of this of this football game. Now, overall, this team is 33, 35, and two on Thanksgiving Day. Quite, quite, quite average. Uh, you know, I mean, that's basically you're almost 500. Basically, 500. And let me ask you, Megan, mm-hmm. do you think the Lions you know, deserve to have this game? 
Well, I know we brought this up a few weeks ago, and I think that's how this all got kind of started between us. Yeah, you brought yeah, you brought I it up did. to me. Yes. Um, my dad's cousin believes that they don't deserve their Thanksgiving Day Bowl or Thanksgiving Day game anymore because they just haven't shown up the past seven years. Uh huh. And you know, coming from me. I enjoy watching maybe the first quarter because that's when they start to lose. Okay. But um, so it's something it's it's something traditional, something at home to enjoy. You know, to see your own home team play. So for me, just because of tradition and because of like been growing up watching them every Thanksgiving Day, I would like them to keep it. But if we're looking at records and how they've been doing, they they don't deserve it at all. Okay, I mean. I, I personally believe that the Lions definitely keep... I think they deserve this game no matter what the record looks like. Uh, this I know the last seven years... This team's been crap for the last seven years, okay? Now, they've had success. If you want to go back to 2000, they won in 2000, 99, 98, 97. They won four years in a row, mm-hmm. okay? You know, they've gotten it done on Thanksgiving Day. You know, for all of you, know, all you people just a little bit older out there, yes, you definitely remember probably a lot of wins on Thanksgiving Day. Over the years, now I know for all of our, you know people that just have short-term memory loss. Yeah, it does feel that yeah they just been losing for a while. You know they haven't won a Thanksgiving Day game since I was eighteen. It's a long time ago. It was a long time ago. But at the same time, you don't touch that kind of tradition. Okay, seventy seventy-six years, you don't mess with that. I, I don't care how this team's doing. You do not touch that. You know, the, for everyone in Michigan, okay, that's part of Thanksgiving. Okay, that is just part of the tradition of Thanksgiving for people in Michigan. It's to have the Lions on. Win or lose, they're on TV, and you're watching them. And you're either angry, you've already accepted it, accepted it, you already knew it was going to happen, or you're elated because somehow they pulled it off. Okay, the bottom line is you don't mess with it. Now I know everyone. Okay, listen, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, they've been on Thanksgiving Day too for a while, but not that long. They haven't. You know, they've been on Thanksgiving Day since about nineteen. Yeah, nineteen sixty six is when this started for them. Now they're 27 14 and 1. Now, which is that is definitely a better record than us. But think about when the Cowboys came into the league. And when they came into the league, you know, they, they've had some good, they've had a lot of talent. I still don't think you don't mess with this. You don't mess with tradition like that. I don't care what the record is. You don't touch that. I would be sickened if they actually mess with this. Because who's to say in the next three or four years that the Lions are winning their Thanksgiving Day games? You can't expect the team to consistently win just that one game. I know it's on Thanksgiving, but you know it's a sh- the tough thing about the Thanksgiving Day game, it's a short week. This team just played on Sunday, and then I know the other team just played on Sunday too. Don't get me wrong, it's an equal playing field for both teams, but at the same time, it's a short week. And you know, there's just there's a lot of good teams in the NFL. Now, for everyone else out there, they have for since 2006, they've added you know just an extra game for Thanksgiving Day. There's always three games now on Thanksgiving Day since 2006. Now this year, the New Orleans Saints are playing the Dallas Cowboys, which will be the game after us. We play the 12:30 game, and then the game after that is the Cincinnati Bengals at the New York Jets. So those are your three games slated for this Thursday. Hope everyone gets enough turkey and wine in them and can enjoy a nice little nap after the game. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, it should be fun. My bottom line is I just don't see how you can touch tradition like that. It's been going on way too long. It's been going on forever. Don't mess with that. I know we all get frustrated by the Lions, Megan. Mm. But I just, why? Why take that away from them? People are still going to watch it. People get to watch, okay? They get to watch New England Patriots. And you know what? The Lions, they're a fun team to watch at times this year. I mean, this is finally one of the first years, actually. I know they're frustrating, but this is one of the first years that you're not flipping away after the first quarter and just not coming back to the football game or after the second quarter. The Lions make these games close. I know they still lose these games, don't get me wrong, 
but they are they are interesting to watch. They've been in a lot of these games to the end. These games have not been blowouts. I think that's the more frustrating thing for any football fan, even outside of Michigan, is when you see a game that's a blowout. Nobody wants to watch the Patriots beat the Lions 52 to 7. Okay, that's boring. That, that, that really, maybe not for a New England Patriot fan, but really, that's boring. I think it'd be boring for them, too. Yeah, and kind of. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah, all right, we stomped all over them. I mean, we just, you just want a close game. And I really do think the Lions, um, I definitely believe they're going to lose this week, uh, this Thursday to New England. But I do see them making it an okay game, a decent game. I see them losing personally, probably by like, I want to say 17, something like that. I don't know. I just, I disagree. I disagree just because I feel, right. like, I feel like playing... You said there's three games on Thanksgiving? Yes. It's an earned thing. It, well, I mean, it, I don't think it's an earned thing because if they've been doing it since 1934, then it's just... You can't just take that away from somebody because they've, you know, they've, they've struggled for the last you know, half a decade, you know, a little more. Like I said, not more than... I mean, we can remember all 13 years ago, this team won four in a row on Thanksgiving Day. That was only 10 years ago. Okay, and then since then, they've, they've struggled a lot. Don't get me wrong. I know they have Seven struggled a lot. Seven years of struggling. Seven years of struggling. <laughs> and not all these games have been blowouts. Some of them have. Some of them haven't. But the thing is, they have to learn how to win. Well, they do. <laughs> and that's what they're trying to learn how to win on Thanksgiving. Hey, I, you said you don't see them winning, though. So No, I don't see them winning. No, they, I mean, they're playing the Patriots. The Patriots are 8-2. They are very good this year. Okay, and that's another thing, you know, roadblock. Even if, even if the Lions were a little bit better. Even if the Lions were 5-5 five and five right now. Okay, they're not going to beat the Patriots. The Patriots are solid. The Patriots just beat the Colts. I mean, the Patriots are a darn good team this year. They are no joke. They're at eight and two right now, and they're actually in the wild card in the AFC because the Jets are eight and two, and the Jets have the tiebreaker with them. I mean, so all I'm saying is that they are a very good team. I don't think you ever touch tradition like that. It's too important. It means too much. And we'll talk more about this next week after the Thanksgiving Day game. And I know we'll probably hear some more, you know, stories and comments about do the Lions deserve this game? And you know, we'll tackle more of that next week. But let's move on. Let's talk a little Michigan State basketball. Does that sound like fun? That sounds like lots of fun to me. All right. <laughs> well, Michigan State uh, is 2-0 right now. They are still ranked number two in the country after uh, basically, again, Duke and Michigan State are dominating the uh, coaches' poll. In the AP poll, they are still 1-2. and two. And Michigan State is out in Maui. Ooh, they I are in. I was in Hawaii. Oh, I know. It'd be great. I mean, we had a nice day today, kind of. I mean, it rained, but it was warm. It rained, but it was warm. It's like 60-something degrees outside. For all of you people that haven't been outside, get outside even if it's raining, because it is going to be freezing tomorrow for the rest of the week. We're talking 30s. It's supposed to snow Wednesday. Yeah, so please. I mean, who cares if it's sprinkling? Uh, just get outside, because I'm shocked at this weather. Yeah, it's 61 still right now. What is it? Like, it's 8, or I'm sorry, 747. Yeah, 747. So for the fact that being that time, I mean, that's fantastic. <laughs> for Michigan. Yeah, for Michigan. Psh, it's almost ah, December. I'll eat that up. <laughs> but uh, so actually, to Michigan State, they are in Maui right now for the Maui Invitational, and they will be playing Chaminade. Now, you what you told me before the show? What is this school, Chaminade? Some Catholic? Yeah, they're uh, like a Catholic school down in in Hawaii, and their mascot I think is a, the swords. So they're the swords. Because <laughs> what's actually funny about Chaminade? I'm here on ESPN.com. You know, I brought up, I clicked on Michigan State in the yeah. game. Shamna doesn't have a logo. No, there's no logo. It's just, <laughs> it's, just the sword. It's, it's just the name. It just says Shamanad. I mean, you got the Spartan helmet. You got. I mean, 
Shamanat doesn't. <laughs> I guess they don't have a mascot. Um, or just anything. This is just blank. Hey, we can call them whatever. We call, I mean, yes. <laughs> but uh, Michigan State, they are playing this Maui Invitational out there, and they're kicking that off uh, tonight at 9.30. So um, if you want to, that game will probably be on the Big Ten Network or ESPN possibly. Uh, maybe not ESPN. Actually, no, Monday Night Football will dominate yeah. ESPN tonight. But after that, uh, I want everyone to circle a game on their calendar. December 1st at Duke. That is going to be a heck of a game. Mm-hmm. It's quite early in the season, and I think it's gonna. It, I mean, it's gonna be at Duke. It's gonna be a real tough game. But these are the kind of games I look for the Spartans to show up in, because these are the kind of games that even like last year, I remember when we played Texas. I believe it was December twenty second or twenty or twenty third. Another big game. Seems like when they get nationally broadcast, they kind of fall on their faces to a degree. Whether it's North Carolina, whether it's a Texas Duke. Duke's number one, you're number two. If you want to get some more respect, at least keep that game close mm-hmm. or beat Duke. I mean, Duke's supposed to win that game. It's on Duke's home floor, but you know, you make it a game. You don't get blown out. And I think Michigan State, I don't think they are the Michigan State of a few years ago. They're better than that, and I think they're going to play a good game. I mean, right now, they're ranked 12th uh, right now in college basketball in points per game. You know, 12th in rebounds, 11th in assists, and they're 7th in field goal percentage. So they're shooting almost 54% from the floor right now, and uh, that's very good to see. Uh, That game against South Carolina uh, a week ago, that game was closer than I wanted. Oh, yeah. That game got to within, I believe, what, five points? It was like 61-76 with uh, like four minutes left. But uh, Michigan State, they they stepped on the gas, and they took care of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Carolina's not a bad team, okay? You're not going to just, just because Michigan State's ranked number two in the country, that doesn't mean you're going to run over every one of your opponents. It, 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 by no means. You're not going to be amazing every night, okay? What Michigan State needs to work on, work on what you're doing from the free throw line, okay? They need to work on the free throw uh, shooting percentage and just, I think, taking care of the basketball, not turning the ball over, and making sure to stay on the glass, get those rebounds, because that's what Michigan State's been known for. They've always been a really good rebounding team, and that's what gives them extra opportunities on the offensive end, and it's what stops teams on the defensive end from getting those offensive boards. Stay hard on the glass, crash the glass, do what you got to do. The nice thing about our team is we have a good combination of young and, uh, you know, players seniors we have young players that are freshmen we have young players that are seniors that are both starters yes and that's the good thing is even after this year and i know i'm getting a little ahead of myself but even after this year we're still gonna have a strong program yeah we definitely will and i mean with the you know the, the recruiting class that tom Izzo puts together trust me people around the country you know i think a lot of them want to play at michigan state i'm not saying everybody but mm-hmm. trust me People see the success this program has had. Yeah, if you want to go pro, this is the place to Yeah, if to you want to go pro, if you want to be in a system that's going to develop you, you're not going to be a guy that's just going to play. You're not going to be a Durant. You're not, you're not going to play one year. You're not going to be a Derrick Rose, play for a season and take off. You're going to be here for three years. Mm-hmm. You might be here for four years, but when, you're, when it's all said and done, it's going to be for the best, educationally and basketball-wise. Okay, Tom Izzo is great at mentoring these young minds. He does a fantastic job with these kids, and that's why you see these kids have the kind of success they do. Mm-hmm. He's great at that, and that's why I think he should stay in college basketball and not go to the pros because he's just good with that that young mind, that 18-year-old, that 19-year-old, and starting to shape him into a man. Okay, When you're talking the NBA, you're talking about men. You're talking about grown men. It's a different kind of ego. It's a different kind of game. And that's why you just got a $500,000 raise, Tommy Boy. I think you're sticking around. He's making some money. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's making $3.49 million a year now. Hey, that's how you keep this guy in town, okay? <laughs> I don't think he's planning on going anywhere anytime no. soon. I hope not. No, I don't think he's going. I mean, if he was going to go somewhere, he would have left in the offseason and went to Cleveland. 
You know, that's going to be one of the better offers he gets for a long time, probably. Okay, I have something funny to tell you. All right, let's hear. Okay, I'm I'm on Facebook, obviously, right now. <laughs> but someone, no, it, it, per, it pertains to what we're talking, like not what we're talking about, but Michigan State football, um, in a way. But it's more Michigan. Okay. Someone put a quote up by Denard Robinson, and it says, "I think our defense is one of the best defenses in the nation. I don't care what nobody says. We face them every day, and they just help us get better." That's in a press conference from earlier today. <laughs> yes, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I actually I heard this uh, earlier today. I forgot to thank. I'm so happy you brought this up because I was thinking about that coming in here and. It, who paid Bernard to say that? I know. <laughs> that's a joke. It's so funny. He could say a lot of things. You know, it's a tough spot to be asked that question. You don't want to say our defense stinks. You don't want to say, uh, just, you know, say we're working, you know, the defense is working hard. You know, we're trying to get better. You know, we're doing what we can. I don't know. Say something. Don't say, I don't know how you could say that with a straight face, honestly, in any way. Your team ranks like 119th, 120th in college football at, depend- at defending the pass. And you're no better at defending the run. So, <laughs> that's the delusions going out there in Ann Arbor. Yeah, if they want to believe that, go for all it. the power to them. <laughs> All right, let's keep Rich Rod in town. We'll win up for another four years in a row. Yay. You know, so, I mean, geez. Denard, oh, man, kid, you got some growing up to do, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, a quick little, uh, I know I know. we never talk this. We never talk racing. I never talk racing. Mm-hmm. I don't like racing. I don't mm-hmm. like NASCAR. I don't mm-hmm. like IndyCar. I don't like F1. I don't give a crap about any of it. <laughs> but I do have to actually say Jimmy Johnson won his fifth straight Sprint Cup title this Sunday, and that is absolutely incredible. Is he the Lowe's car? Uh, yes, he's the uh, 48. I, I saw it on TV. Yeah. I saw it yesterday. And uh, this is actually the first time since the Sprint Cup originated back in 2004 that the points leader did not win the title going into the final race of the season. Denny Hamlin was leading by 15 points. I know for all of our NASCAR fans out there, that they're, they're probably eating this up. They like, never talk about this. But, uh, yeah, Jimmy Johnson, he got second. He just he you know ran a great race, and he won his fifth straight um, which is honestly just absolutely incredible. It's an accomplishment that will probably never be topped in racing. I think it's incredible. He might as well go for six because this guy's incredible. Uh, just for all you racing fans out there, I had to toss that out there. I mean, like I said, I don't watch this stuff. I don't but. either. I, we had ESPN on because we were watching some basketball games last night. Uh-huh. And it kind of popped up, and we didn't change the channel. And there's a guy, the Lowe's car guy. I didn't know his name. See, I don't watch racing. He's the Lowe's car guy. No. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I try to pay a little attention to just kind of everything, especially like a five-peat. Like, that's that's something else. Right. Yeah, I would not be mentioning this. I would not be mentioning this if Denny Hamlin won. Trust me. No offense to Denny Hamlin fans out there, but, you know, it's just because of the five-peat. I think it's such an accomplishment that it needs to be talked about. But we have five minutes left, and we talked enough sports. Yes. So let's get... Oh, is that a big yawn? I, oh. No, I'm just exhausted. <laughs> oh, I know. School is hard. For yes. everyone out there, school is hard. Yes. All right, but let's get to some interesting and enriching facts. This, you can wow your friends with them, win a bet, something. That'd be fun. It would be. But all right, let, let's get going with the fact. All right, facts number one. Boasting nearly 30 brewery locations... Nigeria has emerged as the largest beer-producing country in Africa. The continent's 8,000-year brewing history began with ancient Egyptian commercial brewing dynasties and still include handmade tribal beers. Hmm. I never knew Nigeria was so known for beer. I, that's interesting. That's I very think it's pretty cool. Very cool. All right. New York City has the most sized skyscrapers of any city in the world with 140. Chicago is a distant second at 68. The term skyscraper technically describes all habitable buildings with a height of more than 500 feet. Hmm. 
All right. A lot of tall buildings out there in New York. That's not surprising. I could have guessed that one. I did not know, though, they had so many more than Chicago. That is a little interesting. I mean, they have roughly like 72 more Mm -hmm. than them. That's pretty cool. All right. The largest movie theater in the world, the Radio City Music Hall in New York City, it opened in 1932 and originally had 5,945 seats. See, I've never had the chance to go to New York. It's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, I'd love to get out to New York. I've really never been to the East Coast. So, I mean, it definitely would be uh, a lot of fun. New York's nice. It was been, it's been a while since I've been there, though. It was still when the Twin Towers were up, so. Okay. Well, how old were you when you were able to get out there? Uh, I was maybe about, like, 9 or 10. Okay, yeah, so pretty so, young. Yeah, yeah. I'd say I want to go out Yeah, I want to go out there now, older, can do things. Right. You know, go places. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely got to get out to New York sometime. All right, let's get to the next one. Uh, the largest pyramid in the world is not in Egypt, but in Cholulu, the Rivihada, Mexico. I always butcher these names. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it is uh, 177 feet tall and covers 25 acres. It was built sometime between 6 and 12 AD. It's one of those old, like, Mayan or Incan, yeah, whatever things down exactly. there. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty cool. That's cool. I always, I'm, like I said, I've always been a huge history buff, and I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> All right, let's say the names, though. I, I can't. All right. <laughs> I mean, I tried. That was close. I mean, <laughs> uh, I will definitely practice more for uh, right. you, you fans out there next week. Okay. okay. All right. The largest stained glass window in the world is at Kennedy International Airport in New York City. It can be seen on the American Airlines Terminal Building and measures 300 feet long by 23 feet high. That is a lot of stained glass. Why would they put that in the airport? I don't know. Make it look all pretty. Kind of give it like a church ambiance or something. Why not? I mean... Why not? Again, I've never... It seems like there's just a lot of New York things in here. Again, I've not been there. But let's move on. Uh, Rainbow, Bri- Rainbow Bridge, excuse me. Nature's abstract sculpture carved of solid sandstone is the world's largest natural rock span. It spans 278 feet wide and 309 feet high. Technically is located in Utah, just north of the Arizona state line, but Arizona Highways Travel Arizona book cities it as a local attraction. So it's basically the local attraction in Utah and Arizona, I guess. Sounds like the fight for Toledo. Yeah. In the UP. Okay. <laughs> it's like, this is ours. This is us. <laughs> we claim this. <laughs> All right, let's see. The greatest snowfall ever in a single storm was 189 inches. No way. At the Mount Shasta Sky Bowl. In February 1959, Mount Shasta. Where's Mount Shasta? I have sounds like no a, idea. Sounds like I a didn't drink. even want to guess. I got in 189 trouble. inches. That's insane. I got in I trouble mean. last time for guessing where something was. Oh yeah. Hopefully I don't butcher another like Montauk. You know Montauk. It's like ah no, it's not Montauk. Well. Okay. All right. In 1935, Jesse Owens set six track and field world records in less than one hour. That's not surprising. He was quite. He was quite an athlete. Oh, Jesse was the man. He actually. Yeah, I remember reading this one. He not this one before, but another one about Jesse Owens. He actually trained uh, running against horses and dogs. Wow. To just train, you know, speed. That's the way to do it, though. I mean, horses are so fast. They are, and so are like got a greyhound or something. Yeah. Jeez. All right. The Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History houses the world's largest shell collection, some 15 million specimens. A smaller museum in Sanibel, Florida, owns a mere two million shells and claims to be the world's only museum devoted solely to mollusks. 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 That's a tough word to say. I think Sanibel is known for their um, uh, what are they called? The sand dollars. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think isn't that a mosque? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know science. Okay. Yeah. We'll, All right. We'll Last one. Last one. All right. Karen Roman grew the world's largest cauliflower. Weighed 22 pounds. Cauliflower is nasty. Cauliflower is pretty gross. 
It's pretty gross. <laughs> Not, <Your> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, real fast. Listen, this is the end of our show, but I want to wish a very happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners out there. Hope everyone has a great holiday weekend. Enjoy the turkey. Enjoy the football. Oh. Enjoy the four-day weekend, everyone. And definitely tune in next Monday for another great hour of the Spartan Sports Wrap. My name is Dave. And I'm Megan. And this is Spartan Sports Wrap. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.